seen a note in front of me. Don't worry. <laughs> Amen. 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 So we sang. So, so, That's not to say that the Holy Spirit is not in us. He's always in us. He's always been with us. And he yearns and longs to be with us even the more. Amen. Please let me let me humbly request this of, of us. Let's move forward, okay? Let's move forward. I now see why the man of God always encourages us to move forward. Please, as many of us that can move forward, let's move forward and fill the, the seat, except the man of God's seat. Yes, please. Yes, please. Left to me alone out of wish that we are all in one. But it's fine. It's fine. Amen. Amen. I want to thank the Lord God Almighty for this opportunity. Actually, I woke up this morning not knowing that I was the one preaching. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to us His word. Amen. In Jesus' name. I also want to thank the man of God, Pastor Simon, even though he's not here for this great opportunity. And to thank all the leaders in the ministry also. And God bless you also for being here. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So today we want to take the word of God. We are taking the word of God. I don't want to see anyone sleeping. If you're sleeping, I'll mention your name. The man of God doesn't mention my name when I sleep. If you sleep, I'll mention your name. All right. Unless I don't know your name. <laughs> I hope that's not being recorded, please. Anyway, so I just want us to reflect on... on a few things, all right, as we delve into the Word of God. And I believe that it should be very understandable, I mean, very plain and easy for every one of us to understand. Okay. I wish I could speak on ascension. But at the moment where I find myself, I don't think I'm in man of God's shoes to speak on ascensions. I don't think I'm in a position to speak. I've not gotten there yet. Maybe as I follow him, as, maybe as I, as I keep hearing and following him, one day I'll get there. I'm still, I'm still ascending, not gotten there yet. Amen. Amen. So pardon me if I don't continue in the ascension series, but I believe that as the Lord leads, if it's the will of the Lord, when the man of God we, we, I mean, comes back, he will take us, he will continue with us. Amen. So I, I'm going to say something very interesting and I want us to to pay attention to this. The Bible says that or what I want to say is that the mystery of humanity the, mis- the mystery of don't be scared that I mentioned mystery I won't mention anything <laughs> but the mystery of humanity and the mystery of our living is a beautiful love story I mean, the essence of our living is, is an amazing love story. A love story that has never existed in the sphere and in the realms of men before. The reason why you are here, Julie, the reason why you are, you are alive, Memuna, and the reason why you are living, and God thought it wise to bring you to this earth at this point in time, to be even part of us and through everything that you are going through it's an, um, it's, it's an extraordinary and supernatural love story and this is love that cannot be comprehended 
Bible tells us that God is love. Alright? But one interesting and amazing thing we know about love is that, and I keep saying this, is that love cannot live in isolation. I mean, love cannot exist just on its own. You understand? You can't say, I'm in love. And we ask you, who are you in love with? And there's no one to be in love with. You understand? Maybe you are in love with yourself, but there's an object for the love. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Good. So, love is not, it's not, even, love does not live in isolation, or love can't live in isolation. There is, there is an object for the love. So even before God made us, Bible makes us understand, we, when we study the Bible, we understand that the Father, the Son, sorry, the Father, the, Sp- the Spirit, and the Word coexisted as one. And they were in sweet fellowship, intimate, very intimate, the, the most intimate of all relationship we can think of. That Bible says that Jesus Christ was face to face with the Father. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says that the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word with, in that statement that I made, the Word was with God. I mean, the, the, the Greek writers or the Greek rendition of that Word is, It tells us of a closeness, a certain closeness where you are face to face with another, where there is nothing separating you. So not even our kind of face to face. Not when I put my nose towards Pastor, I mean to Pastor Israel's nose. It's a it's a face to face that there is oneness, there is synergy. You understand? And this was the kind of fellowship. Or this is the kind of fellowship that has always existed in the Godhead. You understand? God thought it wise that I need, I have to, I ought to still express. And whatever I'm saying is a poorly, humanly um, under-explained concept of this whole Godhead thing. So pardon me, it's just for us to understand our own, I mean, human sphere, even though we have the knowledge of God and we have the wisdom of, of, of Christ, okay? But I'm just trying to say that as far as your mind can imagine what I'm saying, there is way beyond beyond that. Okay, good. So God wanting to express this love, which cannot be in isolation, said to the Godhead, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. And, and God did this and made us to exp- I mean, to showcase his love. And we are still in that process of God expressing his love towards us. And maybe we have not seen yet, we have not understood yet. I know when the Bible keeps saying, um, um, the Bible said that I have not seen yet, I not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men. Maybe we've not fully, not maybe, we, we actually have not fully come to that comprehension or that awakening to that love. Obviously, we may not be able to even come to that awakening of that love or that comprehension of that love fully in this world until Christ, I mean, Christ comes for us or Christ calls us to himself or until we, are, we appear with him in glory. Do you understand? But maybe we've not come to that full understanding of this love, but we are still in that process. And so we are in a love story that is being played out. And... And this love is the love between the Son and you. 
the son and Prisla and Prophet Obed and um, Man of God Abeku, Kwanza. This is the love that is being played out. Okay? And it's so beautiful. And if we will catch this understanding or this revelation, our lives will be will be sweeter than honey. Life will be what Christ has made it to be for us. If we come to the understanding where we know that we are the bride of Christ, <laughs> where we know that this is a bride in preparation, where we know that this is a bride that is being prepared to be present at the marriage feast or at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And we are being prepared, we are being groomed. Just like maybe maybe those who are married will understand. Just like a lady is being prepared or is preparing, you are left with two days to your wedding and you are, you are, you are anxious. Not anxious, you are excited. You are um, hysterically amazed and perplexed. You are just imagining what what this wedding day will be like. You go to bed and before you sleep, you are even picturing you walking down the aisle. You are, you are imagining what song will be played for you. You are imagining the way you see some. You are imagining it the way you see it in movies, not the way you've prepared for it. <laughs> not the not the amount of money you've paid for it, but you are imagining it the way you've seen it in movies. <laughs> you understand? And you are so excited. If we have this consciousness and awareness, right, we will be even more excited living living in this world. We'll be even more excited going through the world with, with the Holy Spirit, whom Bible calls our helper. And now there are a lot of symbolism in the Bible that speaks about or that, that translates to we being the bride of Christ. A very good example of them is when Abraham sent the unnamed servants. Later in the Bible, we hear we, we are told that the name of the unnamed servants was Eliezer. But Abraham sent him to fetch or to get a wife for his son Isaac. And this unnamed servant had to travel. I mean, this is not a time to go through the details of that, trying to put a symbolism, but just to raise, I mean, give us an understanding. So this unnamed servant had to travel to, he said he should go to his home country, Abraham's home country, because we know that where Abraham was living was not originally where his, I mean, he came from, you understand? And so this unnamed servant had to go to a land where he met um, Abraham's wife, okay, sorry, Isaac's wife, I mean, not Abraham's wife, where he met Rebecca. And Bible describes all that he went through, how he met Rebecca by the well, how Rebecca was by the well fetching water and how he told Rebecca to get water, to draw water for him to give to, to his, um, his cattle, I'm sorry, to his the flock, the animal that he, the animals that he came with, okay, and how that he went with Rebecca to his to her father's house, sought her hand in marriage. Rebecca came with. There, there are many symbolisms in, in in all this, even all that he gave to the the to Rebecca before. Come, but this all this that I'm talking, I'm telling you about, typifies how God the Father has sent the unnamed servant, who is the Holy Spirit. Bible calls him the unnamed servant. He's not named, right? He's not named. It's amazing how Jesus Christ told us that I'll, I'll pray to my Father and He'll send you another, or He'll send you 
and comforter. He, he never named him. There was no name to this comforter. We didn't know him as Jesus of something. You understand? This was an unnamed servant. He was unnamed because he didn't come to, to showcase himself. Just like the Holy Spirit has not come to, to showcase himself. He has not come to call us to him. He has not come to draw attention to himself. But the unnamed servant went to draw attention to Isaac, the son of his master. So he went to Rebekah's father's house and he didn't speak about himself. But he spoke about his master, Abraham. How that God had blessed Abraham wherever he was. And how that his master has a son called Isaac. And how that his master has sent him to get him a wife. And he was, he was just magnifying the, the father and the son. Okay, and it was because of the love that, or because of how he had spoken of the father and the son, that's what made Rebecca anxious and eager. Not anxious. Why do I keep saying anxious? Eager to follow him to to get to 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 be married to Isaac. Do you understand? And this is what the Holy Spirit does or has come to do. He's come to prepare a bride, or he's he's in that he's preparing the bride for the son. He's I don't want to go into that because that's not what's there. But I just want to draw our minds to attention that we are in a beautiful love story. Okay? Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, it says that for thy maker is thine husband. The very first day I saw the scripture, my heart leapt for joy. I was I was very excited. It says that for thy maker is thine husband. For the Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole of the whole earth, shall he be called. It says that for thy maker is thy husband. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5. Thy maker is thine husband. Who is who is your maker? Who is our maker? So in in your husband is not just the one you're you married to, obviously, he's your husband here. The Bible is drawing us to a far higher the Bible is calling us to ascend to a far higher realm to come to that awareness that wow my maker is my husband that the Lord of hosts is my husband wow I mean what what will this seem like for you if you know that <laughs> this is the this is the bride of, of Christ you are you are toying with you. I mean what will it feel like for you when you are going through this economy and then you, you, you remember that even Isaac in, in the days of famine Bible, I mean God told him not to go to Egypt and to still dwell in the land where he was in and he planted and, and reaped a hundredfold, even Isaac how much more me the bride of Christ also for, forgive me to use you as an example I'm sure when it was close to your wedding I mean, when, when your bride says that, oh, I need this, I mean, no matter how hard it may be for you to even give it out, you'll be compelled to do it because it's in preparation for, for the marriage. And I'm a boy. Almost close to it. He says you have to flow with the budget. So he was flowing the budget. If it's in, within his budget, then I, also I'm sure you'll do it, right? If it's within the budget, yes. But, but this, is, this is our maker. Who, who is budgetless because he's beyond every budget do you, do you understand this is our maker who he's our maker he's called a maker 
he makes the budget and makes it. Immediately I called us up. I remember that you are also married. But he says that I was looking for someone who was married, and I saw him first. Then I remembered, oh, he's also. <laughs> anyway, but but it says that our maker is our husband, and the Lord of hosts is His name. God is your husband. No, it's not. It's not an easy statement. Maybe we are listening to it as English, but it's not an easy statement. Bible says our maker is our husband. But there's something amazing. How did we become the husbands of our maker? It's unfortunate that I have I have 30 minutes. Now I'm sure 15 minutes. It's, it's unfortunate that I have this short time anyway, but how did we become God's bride? I mean, Christ, the bride of Christ. How did we become the bride of Christ? I was, I was saying something in Lagon one time, and then I was led to read this scripture out. So let me read this to, to just buttress this point before we move on. Roma, sorry, Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Says that, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife had made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Amen. 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 It says that let us, this is Revelations, and you know, even though Revelation has a bigger meaning to it than just um, what we see in the tribulation. I mean, bigger than you've ever been taught or told. I know man of God has taught us in Revelation before, but I, and this is my personal belief, it goes far beyond, far beyond. I mean, different dimensions of the same thing in, in one chapter, different dimensions of the same thing. And it's only the Holy Spirit who can give us the full revelation of this. But it's way bigger than what we, we can we can think and imagine. So maybe 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 you have some deep reveal in revelations. But please, me my reveal in revelation is very small. I mean, even though it wasn't what I knew before, but I know that oh, it's nowhere in terms of what revelation really, and it tells you, it tells you how much these people were really inspired to write the scripture. It really, when I when I when I listen to these and I see, and I still know that hey, this is not all there is to, and that's why I mean we are not called to be proud, especially with our knowledge in the word of God. No, because what you think is. I want to tell the man of God, I believe that we'll one day go to, we'll, we'll get to heaven before God and we'll, when, we, when we've got there and uh, we've, we've taken on the nature of, the full nature of Christ and our imagination and understanding has been fully enlightened, we'll see that, hey, what? I thought that this is Charlie Revipa. I mean, you see that, oh, you were nowhere near 0.1% square of, of the truth of the word of God. Amen. But it says that, let us rejoice and be glad and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife. He was saying that 
there's, there's going to be a marriage of the lamb. Who is the lamb? Who is the lamb of God? Which lamb was he talking about here? I don't believe it was the lamb that was used for sacrifice in Isaac's day. No. But this was the lamb that God himself gave to be sacrificed for us all. And he says that, and this is Jesus Christ. He said, there's going to be, there's, there's, the marriage of the lamb has come. Let us rejoice and be glad. And his wife, if there's going to be a marriage and the lamb is there, then there should be a wife. And who is the wife of the... I hope you are getting what I'm saying. And Bible says that we are the wife or we are the bride. Bible tells us how we are the bride of Christ. And there's the life we are living. And Christ did a good work to make us his bride. I mean the best of works to make us his bride by giving himself for us by by, by being crucified being because of time I don't know where to to go to shortcuts whatever I'm saying but being, being given to I mean to give himself for us okay and Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross for you and I you know the amazing thing this man who was face to face with God never had they been separable never had any thin film of nitrogen or oxygen passed between them. Never had there been anything that could go between he and the Father and the Spirit. I mean, these people who were in sweet fellowship, the sweetest of all fellowship, there was a time where the Word of God had to be given for you and I. And it was not for any reason but to establish the love that he has for us. The love for which he created us. Bible tells us how we are predestinated in, in him. Okay? And Bible tells us when you read Ephesians chapter 1, you, you see how that God foreknew. I mean, he made he made all things with a, with a foreknowledge. It wasn't as if he was caught by surprise. Okay? And Jesus, this Jesus Christ came to, to be given for us on the cross. The amazing thing is, and the reason why I'm saying this is for us to know and understand what it meant for Jesus to go through what he, he did or what he went through on the cross. Bible tells us that Jesus hung on the cross for you and I. But listen to this. He came for his own or he came for us. He came to call us to the marriage of the Lamb. He came to make us his bride. He came to call to take his bride, to take for himself his bride. Um, the Isaiah chapter, chapter 54, where we read before we went to Revelation. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5. When you read a verse 6, listen to the verse. It says that, For the Lord had called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and the wife of youth, when thou was refused, saith thy God. So that God, God called you. He called you as a woman who was forsaken and grieved in spirit, and the wife of your youth, when thou was refused. He called you to be his bride. When, when thou was forsaken, when you were forsaken and when you were refused, he called you. He came to make you his bride, right? And by paying the price for you. Actually, when we go into the details of the bride, I mean, the, the, the bride life and everything, we see that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, his blood that was shed on the cross was actually the bride price he paid for us. And the Bible tells us that it was actually, um, there are so many things in the Bible that tells us how Jesus has has betrothed us and made us his bride. He paid. He... Okay, I'll tell you something. Let me let me go through this quickly. Do I have five minutes to go through this, just for us to understand? Please, I hope it's clear. I hope it's not mysterious. 
I beg you, please. But give me five minutes. When you, I didn't want to go. This is not even what I wanted to. But let me just say this so we can understand fully what Jesus Christ did for us. When you, when you go into the Galilean days, I mean, actually, about two thirds of the whole gospel occurred in Galilee. Okay, so most of the things that Jesus Christ was speaking to his disciples when he was telling them about, I mean, saying things to them were things they could relate in because they were more, the reason why sometimes it's difficult for, for you to understand what you are reading in the Bible is because we are not in that culture okay, so if you try to fit it into your culture, it becomes <laughs> it becomes manual for you, and that's why it's good to study the word of God, not just read the word of God but study and know which culture this was in, to whom it was I mean a, a lot of things with, with studying the Bible, but the people could relate his disciples were, were all Galileans and they could relate to what he was saying and in the Galilean days or in their days this was how, what, how marriage was done there was two parts of marriage like an engagement and like a like the wedding itself okay like what we have here and there was the first part of the marriage which was called the Kedashim and what they would do is that the moment they know that oh, there's going to be someone wants to get married to, to another person the the father of the of the groom goes to see the father of the bride, and there is a call to the what we we'll keep we'll call like a town hall sort of. So there's a call to the town hall, and everybody rushes to the place to see what is going on there, and these people become witnesses of what is going on there. Okay, and what what they will do is that the father I'm I'm, I'm really summarizing this. I'm not going to the details. So the father of the of the groom will come and then give some money to the father of the bride and this was the bride price just like we pay bride price and then they give they give the the groom a cup of wine to give to to the bride if the bride takes the wine and drinks it just like you see in the nigerian movies this one the nigerian movies the bride rather takes it to the groom right but this one the groom gives to the bride and when the bride takes it and drinks it it means that she has accepted to be the the wife of this man and what the man will say what the groom will say afterwards will, will be this that he will say to the bride that after the bride has drunk that i shall not drink of this cup with you any longer until or i shall not drink of this cup with you until or let's say i want to put it in the bible way Oh, but I shall not, oh, let, me stop, let me paraphrase, I will not drink of this cup with you except in my father's house or until in my father's house. What he meant to say was that until I've, I've gotten married to you fully and taken you to my father's house, that's the next time I shall drink of this same cup with you. You understand? So he gave the bride price. Let me just put the synergies together so it's quick. And this bride price was what Jesus Christ paid on the cross for us. Okay, but as the bride price is being paid, the lady has to accept what is being given to her by taking the cup. And just like we also have to accept Jesus Christ before we become, we, we, we are fully his, his bride, even though he paid a price for all men. But it is only those who receive him who will believe, those who accept and believe and say, I want, I want to be, who will be, right? But you remember in the Last Supper, when Jesus Christ gave the, gave the cup to his his disciples you remember what jesus christ told them that after they are drunk he told them that he shall not drink of this same cup with them until i mean they i mean in, in his father's house 
when he's I mean when he shall be with them. Okay. I hope you remember that statement. It is a paraphrased one, but I hope you remember. Good. So this like um symbol so all that Jesus Christ was playing out for us was the same thing that was happening in the Jewish marriage. Okay. And Bible says that or, or, or the Jewish tradition is that after the man has done this and the lady has taken the, the cup and accepted the cup, what the man will do is that the man will cut a covenant with the with the woman. So they give like a ring to the to the woman or something to the woman as a covenant. Alright. That is a covenant that the man cuts cuts with the woman. And the covenant that the man cuts with the woman, like our rings, becomes a seal of the marriage. So you use it to seal the marriage. That's why when you do engagement, even if you did your engagement two weeks before time, you put a, a ring on. That's to seal that you are, you are married. I mean, you are married, even though you've not done your, your wedding. Okay, you are, in the, you are still in the process. So that was a seal. And Bible tells us how that the Holy Spirit is a seal of promise to us. I believe you've all seen that in the Bible. And this is the covenant that Jesus Christ cuts with, with, with us. When he told his disciples that I'll pray to the Father and he will send you a comforter, even the spirit of truth whom the world does not know. Because it understands. So he cuts the covenant with us. And when this man has finished cutting the covenant, he makes a promise to the woman. This is what promise he makes to the woman. In the Jewish tradition, a man a man's father has his father's I mean, there's a father's house. What you have to do is that you don't necessarily build somewhere else. What you do is that you go and get married and you bring your wife to your father's house. So before you bring your wife to your father's house, you have to add on to the father's house. So this, this it is the father's house. It means that you have to build an addition to it and that becomes your new family home. And when you don't go in for the final rites of the marriage until you've finished doing all this preparation, making sure that everything is set in there before you go for the final preparation. I mean, before you go for the fi final rites, you understand? And so the man, after doing all this to the woman or say, going through this process, will now tell the woman, cutting a covenant, will now tell the woman or make a promise to the woman that he's going to prepare a place for, for her. And where, when he's done, he will come for her. And remember how that Jesus Christ promised us that I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house because in my father's house there are, what, there are many mansions. You, you, see, you see this beauty being brewed in everything that Jesus Christ was doing towards us. You understand? And how Jesus Christ was was engaging us on the cross. He was getting married to us on the cross. It was not for nothing that he went through all that he went, he went through. It was for a beautiful love story. I hope you understand. It was not for nothing that Jesus Christ went through all that he went through. This was a beautiful love story. And you know what? Just as Sosofu said that if it's in, within his budget, before you go and pay the bride price, <laughs> it has to be within your budget, actually. You have to go and work for, for the money. I mean, unless you have other ways of getting... But you, you have to work for the money. You, you, you will feel it. You will feel that... Yeah. Over to... <laughs> One day I was talking to... Uh, a long time, I don't know if you remember, Pastor Prophet Obed. And... Well, he told me not to say this. I was talking with all permission, let me say this. He said that, don't tell them, don't tell them. We're talking about wedding, preparation for, for marriage, for wedding and all that. And how much is very cost intensive. It was like, don't tell them. If you tell them, they'll be scared. <laughs> because of the care he has for the people. He wants everybody to get there, but he doesn't want to, to scare you. And say, <laughs> so that you don't go into it. He said, also, don't tell them. They don't know. If you tell them, this was, I thought, I don't know if you remember. We met at the church where you had your, if you tell them, because 
it's actually cost intensive but there's grace for every for everyone amen, amen. There's, there's grace abundant grace amen amen I, I i i feel in my heart like say so it's by a feeling may you receive fully sponsored marriages in jesus name amen amen amen, amen. so so you feel it in the same way when jesus christ was paying the bride price he was feeling it he felt it you know that i don't believe and and i know many people agree agree with this i don't believe that it was it was the nail in his hands that was making him cry or sob on the cross i don't believe that it was the thought that i'm going to be nailed that made him cry in the garden of gethsemane no i don't believe but i believe that jesus christ thinking that how how in this world is it possible that this so close a union and fellowship and intimacy i've had with the father at some point will be broken i mean like there's going to be a break within this intimacy i mean that thought alone was too much for him to bear that thought he couldn't even think about it to think that I, I, I will not be face to face with my father. I mean, in essence, when he was even on earth, walking the earth, he was still in that fellowship with the father. Still in that. But you think that there's going to be a point in time, no matter how short that time was, where this fellowship will come to a halt for a moment. It was too much for him to bear. Yet, Jesus Christ was ready to go through this. And why was he ready to go through this? Because of the love story. Because of the love that he had for you. Because of eagerness to see his bride because of the eagerness to, to, to get his bride Jesus Christ met the woman the, the Samaritan woman at the, at, the, at the well and Jesus Christ told the woman that I thirst you know what Jesus Christ was telling the woman it's not because he, he needed water to drink no because <laughs> what is water to Jesus you understand but Jesus Christ telling her that I thirst was a thirst and longing for his bride it was a thirst and longing for his bride you know what? Eliezer, the unnamed servant, found Rebecca by the well. And it's not surprising that Jesus Christ had by the well. And when he found Rebecca by the well, he said to her that she should draw out some water for, for, for him and for his flock. Because they thirst. It's not surprising that Jesus Christ said to this woman that I thirst. Why was he thirsty? He was, he was thirsty and, and longing for his bride. He was thirsty and longing for you and I. He was, Jesus Christ was eager. I mean, he, he couldn't wait. It's just like a, a groom waiting for the day that you'll be joined to your bride you understand those those who are not yet married i'm sure sometimes you go to bed and you can imagine in your mind the day also for most if you can confirm this i don't know if it's true but confirm for me anyway but jesus christ was longing for his bride do you understand and 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 because of that jesus christ though though difficult for him to do this had to go through it and bible tells us that jesus christ hung on the cross and when Jesus Christ hung on the cross there was a point in time when Jesus Christ said Bible said he cried out with a loud voice and said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me I mean I'm sure this was the most painful part of everything for Jesus Christ because I've said this thing here before I've said this thing here before that Jesus Christ through his work his journey on earth will 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 speak about his father and he will address him as father he'll speak about his 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 father he'll tell them that when i mean he will even teach the disciples to know god as father 
and he will teach the people to know God. He, he, he always addressed God as Father. He wants to pray and bless, and he says, Father, I thank you for giving us this. And he, 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 he wants to teach them how to pray. He said that when, when thou pray, say, Our Father, everything about God to him was, was a Father. That, that relationship they had, you understand? And Jesus Christ will, and Bible even tells, tells us how that Jesus Christ said in John chapter 17, verse 20, says, That Father, I have, I have declared unto, unto them your name. And what name was he declaring to them? He told Mary when he arose, when he resurrected, and Mary came came to, to, the tomb, to the tomb and saw him and wanted to touch him. He said to her, touch, touch me not or do not touch me because I have not yet ascended to my father. But go and tell my brethren. Now he called them brethren. He said, go and tell my brethren that I go unto my father and unto your father and unto my God and your God. So after his resurrection, he was telling them that he is now your, he's your father. He has become your father. I mean, that is the re- that's the revelation that he had of Jesus, of, of the father. He always addressed him as father, called him as father. But this one point in Bible, Bible says that Jesus Christ cried out with a loud voice. And he didn't call out father any longer. Why? Because I personally believe that this probably was the point where the relationship, or where the fellowship had, had, had to hold. And do you know why? Because this was the man who was our burden bearer. This was the man who was, who was the bearer of our sin on the cross. I want you to picture this. Don't just say, see it as words because you wouldn't really understand. I just want you to picture all that was, was being played out. This is the man who bore our sins on him. The sins of the whole world was put on him. Sins and all of its consequences were, were put on him. You understand? Sins and everything that came with it, the death that came to this world was put on him. Sickness, everything you can think about was put on, on Jesus Christ on the cross. And, and, and Bible tells us how holy our God is. Bible calls him holy, holy are you, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. I mean, Bible tells us how holy God is and how that he can't behold sin. How that our God does not behold sin. You understand? So when his own son, or when, when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, with all the sin that Jesus Christ had put on him, I believe so much that God had to now probably turn, turn his back on him. God now had to probably look away from him because he could not behold a sin. I mean, he could not behold sin that had been put on, on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, God, Jesus Christ cried out and said, God, God, my God, my God. He didn't say, my father, my father. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can God forsake Jesus Christ? I mean, can the Lord forsake Jesus? Is, is it even possible that God will forsake Jesus Christ? But for your sake and my sake. This is the only time in the Bible recorded where Jesus Christ calls out to God and he didn't receive a response. This is the only time in the Bible where he, he, he speaks to God and I'm sure heaven was silent on him. This was the time Jesus Christ hung on the cross. This is, I mean, the people he came for, earth, the whole earth, I mean, the, the people he came for had rejected him. His disciples he worked with, they had abandoned him because they were afraid and fled until a few of them came to the point at his cross. So his disciples had abandoned him. And on top of it all was that it wasn't even another outside of the disciple it was one of them that betrayed him this was the point where he hung on the cross he was not he, he was not touching the earth his, his his feet was not touching the earth definitely he was hanging in between heaven and, and earth and none of them would receive him jesus christ had been rejected so 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 to speak because earth will not receive him 
heaven will not respond to him because of you and I. And the, the, the pain and the torture was running through him. of you and I. Amen. 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 I don't know if you can if you can understand what what is being played out here. You understand? But Bible said that he was rejected so that we will be accepted. There was a there was automatically a divine exchange on the cross. Automatically everything that was ours, he took them. Bible said he became poor so that we that we might become rich. Bible said that I mean he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we will become the righteousness of God. Yes, he took our place in every every form. Bible tells us in Matthew, Matthew chapter chapter eight or chapter seventeen or chapter eight. He says that he bore our iniquities. Alright? Our sicknesses was, was placed on him. He bore our iniquities, he bore our sicknesses. This was this was what Jesus Christ had to go through. It's, it's so amazing that, I mean, we become so used to this, to, to this, as though it, it, it's just a story. And we walk through life not being conscious of what Christ went through. So just see the way you are, you are playing, we are playing around with this whole thing that Jesus Christ did for us. Imagine you stand, I don't know if that's what God will do anyway, but imagine you stand before God. And God begins to pray out all these things that Jesus Christ did for you. And ask and ask you, how did you receive receive all this? And what you are doing with your life now, anyway, you understand? Just imagine what response you would give to him. If Jesus Christ went through all this for us, just imagine what response we can give to God. If he asks us how we received what Christ did for us. How we embrace it. Maybe we've received it by confession. That's what we need for salvation, yes. But if we are asked how we embrace it, how we became so consumed by it, it's as though we are so into, so much into the system of the world. We are so much into, I mean, our, our, our jobs, our finances, our family. They are important, yes, they are important. But I just want us to see how it seems like we are playing with what Christ did for us on the cross and see what what Jesus Christ had become on the cross he laid on the cross naked I've seen the time don't worry can I have some few minutes can I have some few minutes I can't worry I've seen the time he laid on the cross naked he didn't have anything wrapped on him like we, we saw in the Jesus film I mean, I'm sure in the Jesus film, they couldn't put a man naked for everybody to see him naked. That's why they wrapped, they wrapped him. All right. I mean, now, now they, now they have editing skills to do, to do things. But maybe then they didn't have all those editorial skills to do. So we can't put, uh, Jim, Jim, what? We can't put him on the cross naked so that everybody will see his nakedness. Or the man who did it before Jim came. I don't know. I forgot his name. There was a first Jesus movie before the Passion came. We can't put that, that one, I'm sure they didn't, probably didn't have that editorial. Maybe James only had that one, but that one. So we can't put him on the cross, then tomorrow when some people see him on the street, they'll say, ah, this man, we've seen everything. No, but Jesus Christ hung naked on the cross. Okay, the, the crucifixion in those days was 
the worst of punishment that could have been given to to anybody in in the I mean from the Romans. Okay, not from the Jews. The Jews, if they wanted to to lash you, Bible said in Deuteronomy chapter twenty five verse verse one and two that if you need to lash someone, make sure you don't lash him. In the Jewish, according to the law, make sure you don't lash him more than forty stripes. You understand? So what the Jews would do is that the Jews they were very they were very they, they always wanted to try to, to do the law to fulfill the law, but they ended up breaking the law anyway. They all I mean by their self effort they wanted to try. So in order not to break because we can be so you see how when you are lashing something let's say you catch those days we used to catch rats and then we will lash the rats uh, imagine, you see when you catch something you want to yeah you'll be so into it eager uh, lash uh, you don't even think about how many lashes you've given so they didn't want to lash you uh, and be so excited about lashes by the time you realize hey 41 then it means that they themselves now they have to go and find some animal be to come and sacrifice and pet they didn't want us to bible said you shouldn't exceed 40 but then there was a there was, there was their own way of doing things that so in order not to exceed we didn't want 39 so that the last one we don't mistakenly out of excitement exceed and then and then rip. okay so paul will tell you that he received he received 40 less by one stripes okay or, or uh, 40 stripes save one that, that's 39 stripes and he received this about five times but i know the interesting thing all along i've come to th- i come to think that bible said that jesus christ received 39 stripes or 40 stripes that's what i come to think it was until recently i saw that there's nowhere in the bible okay well maybe i've not said through but from my sources that there's nowhere in the bible where it mentioned the number of stripes that jesus christ received and and you can check the gospel well, I, I have checked the gospels i don't know if there was any record in other parts but from the gospels never mentioned how many stripes jesus christ received do you know why because jesus christ was not killed by jews he was killed by he was crucified by the romans he was beaten by the romans and the romans didn't have they didn't have any mercy like the jews had they were not under the law they they, they had their own law and, and and you understand and so it's not like hey i'm on a 39 no 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 and the jews the jews will probably use a will use a cane or something i don't know what they use or a rod to beat you but the romans were not beating you with rods actually what the romans used to help with so so i read that there are three grades of of canes or lashes in the roman roman according to the roman tradition in those days i mean there's i'm not going to that there's a postigatio flagellatio ebratio ebratio is the top top one and now and they give it to you now and they, they want to destroy you that's the beatings they will give to you and what they used was was called a scourge or a flagellum okay how many of has uh, those who did science I'm, i hope you remember euclina euclina had some whip like a e b called a flagella i, I think you remember uh, i don't know how you pronounce it in your ss me my ss we said flagella and also from flagella. maybe you said flagella so forgive me if i said flagella anyway but it was called a flagella and the scourge or the flagellum had about let's say four or five of these whips okay you see the whip that they use in whipping Horses. I don't know if you've seen something like that or huh. So it had maybe about four or five of this or six. I don't know what, what number. And if they want to beat you, they fustigate you down and they will use a cane or something. And yeah, it's called corporal punishment. Yeah, we want to warn you. Don't go close to the to uh, pilot's daughter again. We want to warn you. Then they'll give you that one. I don't know. They will give you their own. But it had a limited number. But this is by pressure. 
I mean, it was limitless. Most times people died from, from the rape and the aim was to kill you. So most times people died from the rape. I mean, in Jesus' case, Bible had prophesied that he, would, he wasn't going to die by the rape. He was going to die on the cross. Okay, and they wanted him to even go through more pain. That's why I'm, I believe they didn't even beat him out till, till death. They beat him till near death before they put the cross on him. But these whips have got, it's called sharp objects. Like maybe lead, sharp lead objects or sharp bones, sharp metals at the edges. Okay, and what they, what they do is that when they, when they whip you with this, the sharp bone pierces through your flesh and then they throw it out so they tear, they tear your flesh okay and Jesus Christ received because I have not seen yet in the Bible that I said 39 or 40 let me say so many of these this beatings you understand and Bible said when he was going through this it was to pay the price for our sicknesses it was to it was to bring us help divine help you understand so you see you see the exchanges that were going on all through. I mean, everything that Jesus Christ was going through was not just um, live by the day thing. Like, okay, let's go and beat him. Let's, no, it was it was a well scripted. Um, in, in the spirit, I believe that this was a well scripted thing that was playing out, just for him to to purchase us and to make us his bride, just so that we we can become the bride of Jesus Christ. You understand? So imagine the bride of Jesus Christ. This price has been paid for you. Imagine what this car. Upo upo wants to feel. They say, "Ah, yeah, yeah, feel the bride price a hundred thousand dollars." So, make a car two thousand Ghana na unya. Upo ye juma upo stretches car. You've gotten some hundred thousand dollars by the grace of God. This one you went through sweat and you could hell. <laughs> I mean, earthly hell, not <laughs> to get this money. And you've got to pay the bride price. You bring the wife home. And she can't cook for you. You, if she can't cook, maybe you can say we'll get a we'll get a chef or something. Or also, oh, sorry, on on or sorry, I know I yell. Me, my father's house. We don't do things like this. Then he, she goes, she goes out. You come home and she doesn't treat you like like a spouse or like a husband. Imagine what sorrow will be in your heart. You understand? You 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 would think, hey, what you mean? Hey. You, I hope you understand. So imagine what we are doing to Jesus Christ though. All that he went through. And Jesus Christ was beaten and after after they whipped him and tore his flesh. The Bible Bible actually tells us that he was he was beaten. You can read some some two. No, some twenty-two. And you can read some of the Psalms. Bible tells us that he was his face, his visage, that's what the Bible the King James says, his visage or his face was so mad that he was beyond recognition. I mean, Jesus Christ was was tortured and beaten to the point that you can look into his face and not re- recognize who this person is. I, if they didn't tell you that this is Jesus Christ, you look into his face and you're not able to tell which man which man this is. Imagine the torture. I mean, you have to cry. Oh, cry now! I'm not so sorry. We can tell that. Oh, this one is But I said his visit was so mad that he was beyond recognition. They couldn't even recognize who who he was. You understand? And on top of the beating, they put sharp, piercing thorns on his head, pierced his head with these thistles, okay, and and pierced his head with these thistles. That Bible said that by 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 these these thistles and the sweat of man, you shall in, in Genesis chapter three when God, I mean when Adam was being given his his sentence, I mean it was put on Jesus Christ's head, so that we don't have to be pierced by these thistles. 
You don't have to be under that bondage that Adam was in. And Jesus Christ went through this, and on top of this, he was. And when they pierced him with that, they, they, when you uh, when you look at the Roman accounts of these things, they used rods to push the thistles through his head to pierce and for blood to ooze out. And then they hit his head so that he will fall on his head for these things to pierce through. So just imagine, this is just a verbal account of it. So you can imagine when you, you are there and you are seeing all these things going through. And the same people you came for, after all this put a cross on you, walk you through the town. And the people you came to give yourself for, they spit on you. They call you names. They, they, they throw things at you. The Bible said he came for his own. Yet his own does not, did not receive him. But as many as receive him, them he gave the power he gave them the power to become sons of god look at what jesus christ was going through hey me for me god father it's okay these people they deserve to die <laughs> they deserve and i'll be ready yet yet he, he was going to the, the, the same people were the people who were beating him they were the same people torturing him they were the same people taking him through their account it was for the same people Yet he goes on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they, were, they are doing. If these people knew, I'm sure they wouldn't have done that. But it was good that they didn't know because we needed it. And the Bible said that if the princes of this world had known, he was not talking about the people anyway. He said if they had known what Christ was doing, if they had known the results, the, 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 the end results of what Christ was doing, they would not have crucified him. If they, if they had known that all this was to bring you and I to the place where we will be his bride, if the devil knew it, if he knew it, of course the devil doesn't know all things, but if the devil knew it, I'm sure he would have told all the demons ahead, don't go close to this man, don't let anybody think in his mind. The man who thinks in his mind to do anything to this man, kill him fast, let him die. Don't let anyone, you let him live his life peacefully and if he wants to go, you let him go. The Bible says if the prince of this world had known it, if they knew that one day, Bathsheba, he will be the bride of God. He will be the bride of Christ. If they knew, oh, that's why David was saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man that you visit him? And because when you look at yourself, hey, how am I the bride of God? What am I, what, what on me even makes me look like the bride of God. You look at yourself and you don't see. But David, David saw this and said, what is man? What is man? Oh, David said that, oh, the blessedness of the man unto whom God will not impute his trespasses. The blessedness. David said, oh, the blessedness. Well, you know you know why in Psalm 32, this is what David said it. David had gone to, 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 to live with Bathsheba. I'm looking for something David and David had gone to lay with Bathsheba, someone, another man's wife, and had killed the man and taken Bathsheba. And he received a message from the Lord. And David, David came to his senses that, ah, what is this that I have done? What is this? David, David became contrite in his heart. What is this? He didn't realize it when he was doing it, but he came back to his senses. No wonder the Bible said that this is the man, I mean, David is, is the beloved of God. He said, David was so troubled in his heart that he began to have fevers and chills. I mean, he was so so troubled. You know the way you hear for no cry. 
your encounter, you don't feel any. David was so troubled, and David was sobbing. Who, who would deliver him? And I believe God probably showed him a vision. And David cried out, because a day will come where there will be a people upon whom God will not impute their trespasses. There will be a people upon whom God will impute righteousness. There will be a people whom God will not hold them in account for their own sins. And David saw, the, saw, saw that people, and David was, was in, in amazement. David said, oh, what blessedness it, it is unto these people upon whom God will not impute unrighteousness or, or their trespasses. And, and this was repeated by Paul in, in Romans. Yes, in Romans. Romans chapter 4. Verse 6, I believe. 6 to 8, I believe. But blessed is the man unto whom God will not impute, would not impute his transgression or his trespasses. But when you look at the way David said, David said, oh, I mean, the way David said it, when you look at the, the translations, it says that he attached emotions to it. He said, what blessedness it is for this man oh what blessedness it is for Memuna ha, I wish I could be in Memuna's shoes where God will not impute my trespasses on me I wish I could be in Sami's shoes where God will not impute my trespasses on me I wish I mean Bible tells us how these people wish they, they, they wish they long for our day they long for, for, for this day that we are, we are playing Kotokraba uh, with uh, Abraham, they, they longed for this. They longed for our day. They longed to be you. The way you are wishing that, hey, the way I can, if I come like Elon Musk, fine. These people long to be you. Yet, I, yet it's as if we don't know what we've received. You know what I'm saying, we? All of us. I'm not saying you, I'm saying we. It's as if we don't know what we've received. And then he said, oh, the blessedness. So this is, what, this is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. This is what he did on the cross. And what, what is it for us? I mean, what is our response to this? And this is where I'll, 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 I'll end the message. What is our response to this? What, what is our response to this? What is our response to all that Christ did on the cross? What is our response? If God, if God take yourself back to the question that I asked. Let's imagine you, I don't know, I mean, I, I obviously don't know, but imagine you are in front of God and God says that, Jesus Christ did for you. He placed a picture for you. Maybe you maybe you heard it so you didn't see it, but he placed it for you. And it will be very visual than what I'm I'm, I'm saying. It will be very emotional and torturous than what I'm, I'm telling you. Very, very, very. I mean, the people in, in the days who were even so sad about it, they were only beholding the physical torment. They couldn't see the spiritual things that were happening beyond that. They couldn't see what was going on in the, in the, the transactions that were going on in the, in the realm of the spirit. If they saw all that was going on, the, the sin of the world being put on him, the guilt of the world being put on him, the burden, the sicknesses of the world, the poverty of the world being put on him. If they saw everything, everything, leprosy, everything being put on, being put on Jesus Christ, I'm sure they would have collapsed. They couldn't, they probably wouldn't be able to stand it. If they saw how that God had to turn his face, oh, boyfriend, Jaiwa Kakra, Kakra, no I've experienced it before, so I can say it. I can say it. I hope I can say it. If your boyfriend, if you call three days and you don't hear his voice, God knows. But look at what Jesus Christ went through. So if God has placed all this for you and asked you, how did you respond to this? 
what was your what was your response to this and and this brings me to my sermon actually if, <coughs> if i was a man of worship i said i've said i'm not going to start my sermon <laughs> but i'm going to end my sermon actually I'm, not, I'm going to end my sermon this brings me to what i wanted to talk about so paul writes the book of romans and paul writes in romans chapter one and he starts telling them how that the gospel of god i mean he's not ashamed of the gospel of of, of christ of, and how that is i mean it's it's salvation to to them that believed okay or the power of god to to, to, to salvation to all those that believe and he speaks about all these things he tells them everything that christ has brought the grace of god he speaks about the grace of god then he goes on to to chapter 2 and he begins to reveal how that the world was darkened and how that people were darkened in their conscience and and everything that what, what like he begins to tell them the rot that was in this world the rot that was in this world how that at the point god gave people to their own self-distraction because in their own wisdom they they they, they, they changed what was what was um the plan, the purpose of God, onto onto a different thing. Okay, I'm paraphrasing what is there, and he he shows the rot that was in this world. So he starts by telling them that this I'm not ashamed of this thing that I'm going to tell you. I'm not ashamed of this grace that Christ has brought to us. And he starts to tell them and show and show them how there was rot in this world, rot in this world. And he goes to chapter three. And he tells them the penalty of the words that was in this world. He said that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He tells them how that men, the, 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 the trouble that should have come on men. You understand? And, and even begins now to tell them how that Christ has become our righteousness. That he said that, that he, he tells us what Jesus, what God did so that he might become he might be just and a justifier of them that believe in him he was telling us how that god has brought us from that rot and that penalty that should have been on us into into what into his righteousness and he continues in chapter four where, where paul says that oh the blessed i mean he, go, he quotes david and says the blessedness so he was continuing with, with how christ has how god has made us righteous how god has brought us to become the righteousness of of, of, of God in Christ Jesus and he was telling us how blessed this is this is this was where we once were but now he has called us to be his bride and has given us his righteousness and he goes on to chapter 5 and chapter 6 speaking still speaking about about righteousness and everything that the grace of God has brought brought to us and chapter 7 he begins to talk about oh even with this righteousness even with the righteousness that he has received there's still an element in him there's still some some law at work in him just like you and you and i we find i mean most most of us find ourselves in that in all this righteousness still came to the point where he said he saw that i know god has made me righteous but there's this law at work in me there's this law of the flesh at work with me such that when i, I want to do good i find myself doing evil he, he, he saw he, he saw that hey, i'm the righteousness of god but what is this that is happening to me do you understand just like we find ourselves it, it's the same i mean there's no it's, it's, it's in his position that most people find himself. So let's put ourselves in that position and see. And he begins to say, oh, what is this that is happening to me? I'm the righteousness of God. He was thinking about it. How can the righteousness of God do this evil? How can the righteousness of God be in this immoral relationship? How can the righteousness of God, I really want to do, it's because you are the righteousness of God, that's why you really want to do good. But you 
find yourself doing evil. And he said, I really want to do this, but there's a, mem- there's a law at work in my members that I find myself doing evil. Then he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me? And so he, he knew that he needed deliverance. But he read a beautiful thing. Paul was telling the Romans, so he was saying all these things to the Romans, that you were you rejected, you had rejected the crowd, there was no hope for you. And this is what Christ did for you, to bring you hope. But yet, maybe, yet, I'm sure when he was speaking, he was speaking for, for them all. And yet, we still find a, a law at work in us, that we want to do good, but we find ourselves doing evil. Oh, what wretched, wretched man that I am. Who delivered us from this, this body of sin? And that was when he was ending chapter 7. And Paul goes straight from chapter 7 and says that, chapter 8, that there is therefore now no condemnation. He said that, I, I see myself as a wretched man. I see myself as a man who wanted to do good, but I'm doing evil. But oh, thanks be to God. Because of this blessedness of the righteous man upon whom God will not impute trespasses. Thanks be to God. He said that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Greek translation of that word, no, is actually, there is not one condemnation. There is, no, not one. There is not one condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Not one. Because of what Christ did. Because we are his bride. Because he has called us to be his bride. And Paul, Paul continues to say all these things. And he goes to chapter 9. And goes to chapter 10, telling them all the beautiful things that Christ has done for them. All the beautiful things that Christ has done for us. And he even teaches them how to to be saved, to receive all these beautiful things in chapter 10. And tells us that by the confession of our mother and by believing in our heart, we shall be saved. He tells them all these things and moves straight into chapter 11. Then after Paul has told us all these things, that see where you were before, see all that your life was before, how wretched you were, and see what Christ did for you. How that he, he hung on the cross the way he did. How that he was beaten, pierced, bruised the way he did for you and I. And where he has brought us to be his bride. Oh, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Chapter 12. Paul now comes to tell them that this is your response. After I've told you all that Christ has done for you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. The word beseech there is, 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 in the Greek is the word parakalio. I hope I, I got it right. Parakalio, which actually means that to, to compel someone in view of something, okay, or to, 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 to beg someone to do something in view of something that, so let's say I've given Osopo thousand Ghana cities, and maybe to, uh, next week, or let's say I gave Osopo thousand Ghana cities last week, and maybe to, today I want 200 cities, and I, say, I go to Osopo, I say, Osopo, I beg you, look at the thousand Ghana cities I did for you, hey, all these things I have done for you, Osopo, please give me, give me 200 cities, I hope you understand. So he's like I am, I am compelling him, or I'm, I'm begging him in view of something that I have done for him. And this was what Paul was doing. He said, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you will look at all these things that Christ has done for you. How that I have told you where you were in chapter one, chapter two. I've told you how that He has brought us all through. I beseech you, how that God does not condemn you. How that God does not condemn you, brethren. I beseech you by the mercies of God." I'm sure Paul probably was on his knees when he was writing this. I don't know anyway. But then I beseech you that, or maybe he was on his knees in his mind. I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. But this is your reasonable act of service. 
and be not conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is where I stay, and I'll end in this, this is where I'm ending. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you are not conformed to the patterns of this world, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. I beseech them. I'm sorry, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What, does it, what did Paul mean to be presented as a living sacrifice? Paul was not telling them that you have to do something to please God, though, because you are not con- you are not condemned anyway. I mean, regardless. But Paul was saying that in view of all that Christ has, it's not as if you are doing something to pay God back. No, it's not as if you are doing something because <laughs> if you want to pay Him back, then go to start from where Jesus was born and go through everything that He went through for for you. You understand? And I'm and I'm sure. Because the spiritual things, you can't control them. You still will not get the same results. Anyway, but Paul was saying, it was not like he was saying, we should do these things because of what, but he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that he presents your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does it mean to present your bodies as a living sacrifice? In Leviticus chapter 1, the Bible speaks about the various, from one chapter 1 to chapter 6, I believe, he speaks about the various offerings that they were taught to give. In chapter 1, he speaks about the burnt offering. Okay, and the bent offering, Bible said, were supposed to give it out of their own will. You are not under compulsion. It's not like the sin offering where until you have given it, your sins will not be. They said they are supposed to give it out of their own free will. Okay? And so, and so, and then that's how you are supposed to present your bodies out of your own free will. He's not, it's not my, God is not forcing you that I've done this for you, so come and do it for me. But Paul was beseeching out of your will. And it's for our own good. That's why he's, he's beseeching anyway. So they're supposed to give it out of their own free will, okay? And Bible said that, I mean, in those days, there were offerings, different types of offerings and different things, almost similar, but very, but different in some way. Different things were done to the offerings when they want to sacrifice the offering, okay? So some of the offerings, they remove the fat, and then the, the I mean, some of the inner fat, and that's what they burn, and then the, the body, the flesh of the animal, they went and burn it outside the camp, outside of the camp somewhere, okay? And that was the instruction for that sacrifice. I mean, there were many sacrifices. There were the burnt offering, the peace offering, the heave offering, the wave offering, the the sin offering, the trespass offering. I'm just sure the meat offering. I mean, there were several. I mean, the meat offering, the I mean, heave and wave offerings were all. But there were several offerings. Okay, and different things were done to the offering. Right? Even though they were quite similar in their own way. And all these offerings speaks about Christ. Okay. He speaks about it speaks about Christ and how he's become our sacrifice for us when you when you read them. But the burnt offering has something unique to it. And I believe that's what Paul was telling us to present our, our bodies. He says the burnt offering had something unique. What it had was that other other ones they have to cut some of the offerings, you cut the right shoulder and the right breast and you give it to the priest. That's the priest's portion. And then the other the remaining part was bent. Okay, so they give the right shoulder and the right breast. To the priest and he and his family they to that's their that's their a the priest has to eat you don't muzzle the, the cattle that the ox that thres there so so the burnt offering different from these other offerings what they do is that you kill you kill the animal you kill the animal anyway you the one who brought it you lay your hands on the animal so that i mean as a symbol of you refer, transferring your your sins onto the animal and they give you the knife, you cut the and yet priest no quite upon you killed the animal. The same way it was we who killed Jesus Christ. You understand? It was it was not God who who I mean directly killed him. Even though the Bible says it pleased God 
to it pleased him because he shall see his seed he shall see us come from it but it was we we killed the man okay we killed jesus christ i mean sorry so you kill the animal and then what you do is that you cut the head of the animal you cut the body of the animal into pieces you take the entrails of the animal that's the, the inner part of the animal and wash them with the feet you wash the feet also and then you put all these parts together I and mean, after you've washed them you bring everything together onto the altar and you bend everything completely it was supposed to be bent down to ashes completely this was what was done to the bent offering and if paul was saying that present your bodies as a living sacrifice paul was saying that your bodies soul spirit mind everything that is in you your work your finances your spirit your family your everything i beseech you therefore brethren that you present everything about you as a living sacrifice why living because you're alive you're not killing yourself anyway but as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god another thing to is for us to know is that it is not i mean paul was talking about our living and everything we do being a sacrifice unto god but listen it is not you you are not the one who makes yourself acceptable unto god sorry it's not you who make yourself acceptable unto God because you lived very pure and someone else lived impure. It's not it's not because you lived very pure. It's like holy and acceptable unto God. How, how do you know whether you are acceptable unto God or holy unto God? Because you are not the one who makes it anyway. It is Christ who made you holy and acceptable unto God. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verse 25, it says, no, verse, um, let me read from 25 to 27. It says that husbands, Love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. Beloved, in Leviticus, the animal that they were supposed to bring was supposed to be an animal without spot and without blemish. Do you understand? And Bible is telling us that this is Christ who has done, he is the one doing the work in us. So as we are presenting ourselves, as we are living, we, we just, we, all we have to do is to lay on the altar. And he presents us. All we have to do is just give ourselves. I mean, that as, as much as the spirit of God leads me, I am fully given to you. My body, soul, my will, my everything, my intellect. I don't seek my own above your own. I don't seek my, my will above your will. I will not seek my... If, if all that is in me is to please you, that is what, that's what I'll do. If all that is in me... I, I don't think about my work before I think about you. My money, my everything is, is for you. As a burnt sacrifice, as a burnt offering. I am yours. Then after you have done this, you don't say, God, okay, mark me. I'm 95%. No. After you have done this, it is Jesus Christ by his work. He's not now going to do it. He's already done it. Who presents us holy and acceptable unto God. And Bible says this is a reasonable act of worship. Then he says, be not conformed to the patterns of the world. Be not conformed. Why? How do we go? He didn't say that, do not, do not conform. He said, be not conformed. It is not you doing the work. He said that the familiar fact that you are in this world alone is enough for you to be conformed. I mean, it is the world that conforms you. You don't, you don't, the mere fact that you are just idle in the world, the world alone means that you're already being conformed. So he said, be not conformed. It means that what, what the translation of that was that don't allow yourself to be conformed by the world. It means that if you're idle and you're not doing what is going to continue 
with you 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 be conformed with your whether with your knowledge or without your knowledge you be conformed and that's how you look at yourself you are you you assess yourself and realize that hey it's as if I'm being conformed you understand because if you are just there because there's something that will keep you from being conformed and what is what is it he said but be transformed be metamorphosed be changed the way your life will change drastically the way you will see that change that you are looking for the way you will change and be what God or what Christ has made you to be is by the renewing of our minds. It's by the renewing of our minds. And how do we renew our minds? When you read the Bible, the Bible makes us understand that it is only the word of God that renews our mind. It is only he said that he might wash him with the word. That he might wash him in Hebrews what, what I read. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the way it is the word that it is the word that washes and and renews our mind it is the word that cleanses our mind as our mind is renewed by the word as we look into the word as we behold the word as we behold daily into the word we are being transformed we are being changed into the same image we are being changed into that perfect man we are being changed into that that christ man we are being changed just to be like him. As we keep beholding in his word, as we receive the, 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 the logos and the rhema, as we take the word of God and we meditate on the word of God, as we are, I, I mean, all that we have to do is to present ourselves. So I present myself and I come to the word of God. And as we are beholding, as we are beholding, as we are beholding and praying, praying, beholding in the spirit, because it's the work of the spirit, it's the spirit that who does, as we are praying, beholding, and beholding in the word. Bible says as we keep beholding on him, we are being transformed, we are being changed into that same image, from glory to, to glory, from one level of glory to another level of glory. We are being changed to become like him. Bible says that we don't know what we shall be like, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Obviously, we shall be like him, but there is that possibility for the man to become a perfect man by beholding. By beholding. As we keep beholding, we are being changed like him. Beloved, I want us to, to begin to, 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 to tell God that God give us the grace, the grace to behold in your word, the grace to be renewed in our minds, the grace not to lose sight of what Christ has done for us. The grace of God, the grace, the grace, Kabusha Talaba, Rempe Kimatose Kepayada di Palepra, Manduda Kadiata, Indeni Mashande, Nekasike Prapatanana Mashande. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give us the grace of God. Bapuna makia tosa palalaba. Mambane makushem penene mayatika pale. Impalalaba mayatia kose ke pandala prepa kia tosa. Impande neneme kashande imakudalaba. Ranta tipa kose ke piata. Memprem peneneme kose ke in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father, for your work in our lives. Do what only you, O God, will want to do in our lives. And give us the grace. We receive the grace because it's been given. We receive the grace, Lord. 
presented, oh God, to present our lives, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto you, oh God. That by your spirit you bring us to that perfect man, the Christ man. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name.